I'm Zach Bohannon. I make my living telling stories, but I'm also a metalhead, retired drummer, avid gamer, and most importantly, a loving husband and father. Join me each week as I sit down with a fellow dad and discuss balancing a creative life with family, careers, hobbies, and all the other things guys love. This is the Creator Dad Podcast. Okay, Daniel, first thing I have to ask you is I got to ask about your hat. Is, oh, that, <laughs> is, it, is that Hamilton the musical? It is Hamilton the musical. Yeah, I, I went to see the show. Oh, when would it have been? 2019, maybe? Um, when it came over to the UK, I was sort of within the first few months of, of that show coming out. And I'd listened to a lot of the songs in the past. And yeah, it's just, it's a mind-blowing show. The performance was wicked. And at the minute, I tend to go through phases of hats that I'll wear to death. <laughs> and then I'll find another one. Like I have another hat that I, I wore all of like a couple of years ago. And I lost this one the other day and then tried to, I put the other one on because I was like, I, I just need a hat. And it just didn't feel right. So yeah, at the minute, this is, for whatever reason, this is the one that feels right. Hamilton. And then <laughs> on the other side, it's just a Oh, hand. nice. Nice. So. Yeah. I hope I didn't just out you as a Hamilton fan. I hope that wasn't something you were keeping uh, hidden away, but. <laughs> Why would I be secret about that? It's Dude, such so, an incredible show. So Jay, you know, he's kind of made fun of me about in the past because I, I love Hamilton. So what's mm. funny about Hamilton is, I, I, I don't like musicals, but my wife is huge into musicals. And actually the first time I heard Hamilton, any of the music was um, before COVID. I don't know if they're going to start doing it again, but my wife mm. is actually in a group that performs Hamilton. So, nice. so they don't, um, they're not allowed to technically like perform it, but they do what they call is like a sing-along version. It's mm. called Hamiltoons. And, uh, but it's really awesome because the group is made is a super diverse group. Like it's made up of people of all different cultures, races, they're, um, people of all different sexual orientations. Like it's a very diverse group of people, which especially is really cool in the Southern U S to have. Um, so they've had, and and everyone will switch parts playing the different parts. I mean, um, my wife has usually been Eliza. That's kind of like, and she's really good at doing Eliza. That's a big role. Yeah, yeah, she's she's so good at it, but she's done all the female parts at this point. Um, and uh, but they'll have like different people play Burr and Hamilton. It'll be mm. sometimes they have guys, sometimes they have women. Some it's uh, it's awesome. But that's where I first heard the musical, and then we actually saw. I surprised her with tickets to it. She came with me to the Selmore Book Show Summit in 2019 in Chicago, and we saw it there. Nice, um, and it was amazing. And I, again, I don't care for musicals, but that show is that and that, that's musical, and the soundtrack and the show is mm. unbelievable. It's so yeah. Cool. Well, I'm a big um. So my when I was at university, I did English and drama. So part, half of my sort of degree is in drama, and oh, nice. I've always I've always like on the sidelines been really interested in sort of spoken word poetry and just like lyricism and just rhyming and just the 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 magic that you can create with words and it's just one of those shows that every every word means something and you know you've got the bigger scope of what the story of Hamilton tells but it's just it's just so masterfully put together and just the soundtrack is incredible and for me I'm like I am a fan of musicals um I, I what was Book of Mormon I absolutely loved um <laughs> yeah. what else have I seen I've seen Wicked I've seen Lion King I've seen Chitty Chitty Bang Bang I've seen Sinatra I've seen like a, a whole spectrum of them um 
but this is just it's just stand out it's just on a, another different level of just craft and the story that they weave through it i think it's just so unbelievably done yeah and especially and, how um you know by the end i mean spoiler for anyone who hasn't <laughs> seen hamilton who doesn't know hamilton but um i really love how at the end you kind of realize it the story is really about eliza like yeah. it's really it's it's really her mm-hmm. her story more than it is hamilton's or burr's you know and yeah. uh and and you know the way the show ends and everything is just uh yeah, I, uh, I, I I love for it. I I I'm I'm I love it. It's so it's so good. <laughs> and uh, my wife has been trying. To, I, I've been I've been gained slowly into other musicals, you know, and things are starting to open back up and all that. Like right before COVID, we went and saw Jesus Christ Superstar. Nice, uh, yeah. Which was which it's cheesy, but it was fun. Like it was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like Hamilton really just transcends um like the into pop culture and really just kind of took off a, a you know a, a mind of its own pretty much mm-hmm. yeah i think just the messages in there are just so strong and it's just a it's just a fantastic story and what was interesting was when i first came across it it was um recommended by a friend and it was around the time that lin-manuel miranda was performing it with sort of the the first group in front of barack obama in the white house yeah yeah and i remember listening to the first three songs when the sort of musical album came out and I was stopping there because I didn't want to ruin it for myself. And then <laughs> me and my buddy um, who I've written some books with Luke Condor, we were running the story studio, story studio podcast and we had Garrett Robinson on as a guest. Yeah. And I, I said this to him, I said, I've, I've only had, I've only listened to the first three. And he went, but you need to listen to the whole thing because when you're going to see the show, the, the, the words can move so far sometimes that you want to know what they mean and enjoy the show rather than trying to like figure out what they're saying as you're, as you're watching it live and I did it, I listened to the whole album and then it really did sort of change the experience of when I did watch it. That was, that's what was so weird for me is, so I, I watched my wife's group perform it several times and it was really cool because they performed it um, in front of some, like I saw them when they first got started, there would be like 20 people in the room or something. <laughs> they ended up, they ended up uh, just a couple months before COVID uh, Hamilton came to Nashville and, and as a promotional thing, the Tennessee Performing Arts Center actually had my wife's group come and do a free Hamilton's version. And there were like five or 600 people in, in, in the place. Um, so I got to see her, them do it in front of a very big group, um, blow them away, but, but yeah, they did so good. And, um, but so I saw them first then the live show in chicago then actually listened to the album Mm. so by the time i got to the album it was weird because i i had already like in my head it was the people who were in my wife's group yes (laughs) who were who were like the people singing it but uh yeah Yeah. it's 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 amazing so um but uh but yeah so i i I didn't think we were gonna have a long conversation about musicals going into this but (laughs) there we go that's the magic of conversation but also just, yeah, the, the trick of the hat, because not everyone recognizes it when they see it, because, you know, it could just be Lewis Hamilton from Formula One in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Yeah, there's a whole different th- bunch bunch of things it could be. So, but uh, yeah, it's funny too, you mentioned the, the spoken word thing. Um, there's a, I just saw the other day that uh, Bruce Dickinson from Iron Maiden over on your side of the pond is doing a spoken word tour. And I was like, nice. That, that'd be kind of interesting, because he's an interesting guy. <laughs> Yeah. But have you ever thought about trying to get into any of that type of stuff? I I used to do um, sort of a circuit of open mics around where I used to live um, up in, in Lincoln in the UK. And 
like I really enjoyed it. It was that was kind of my entry into writing um, because I I remember I've always enjoyed writing and as I say, sort of lyricism and, and spoken word and all that kind of stuff. I can't remember who it was specifically. It might have been George Watsky who does a lot of, or used to do a lot of spoken word and now does a lot more rap. And yeah, I remember going to, there was just one at a nearby bar where a group of say 30 people would just sit and just watch and, you know, you can go up and it was just open mic. So if you had some poems, you can go up and perform. And I did a little bit of that. I I went around for about a year and a half, two years hopping and, and I didn't have loads of stuff written. Um, but the piece that like, definitely gained some kind of repute around that group. I wrote um, a three minute uh, spoken word poem about hobnobs, the biscuit or the cookie <laughs> as, as the Americans say. Um, but yeah, it was entirely, it was called Hobnob Goblin. And it was all about these sort of like goblins and how they eat the hobnobs and they're obsessed with them and everything else. And that was kind of like my performance piece. So I've done, I've done bits and pieces of it, but it's something that I've fallen away from now that I'm doing much more prose. And it's something that, hasn't left my mind I still very much like watching people and listening and just trying to sometimes use it in your own writing to up your own craft and to create sort of like real lyrical bits um which is also I guess part of the reason I like some fantasy books because they have the verse and the style and the rhythm excerpts in there as you go uh, is it something you've ever done no I've never I never have I mean it's it's funny you bring it up though because like I was having a conversation with uh with Jay actually we were talking and just like talking about how one of the things that we do kind of miss in the creative space about that you don't get out of writing typically is the performance aspect. Yes. You know, I mean, we both were musicians and, and, and I miss that. Like I miss being up on a stage and, and performing in front of people. And cause that's something you just don't get from writing. Like you don't get that, that, that instant feedback of people. No. Um, it, it, you know, in, in many, in most cases, it takes weeks or months, you know, depending on how fast you write. I know in your case, maybe days sometimes to novel <laughs> as fast as you write, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point, but, um, but yeah, like that's one thing I definitely miss. And, mm. and, and, but I've, it's funny, I've never, the spoken word almost feels like that's almost a kind of a, 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 a way that I feel a lot of writers could especially if they have a strong message they want to get across like i love henry rollins you know and and he's and he's really big in the spoken word circuit and has made more i think um may become more known for that than he ever was as like a musician or being a black mm. flag or whatever you know but um yeah. but but yeah i don't know it's 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 interesting to me i mean have you are you a musician or anything i, I can't remember yeah well so it's weird so i don't class myself as a musician i play <laughs> i play guitar which i guess class me as a musician but i'm, hey, I'm not sort yeah. of like classically trained or anything i've taught yeah. i taught myself piano and guitar so i can play competently to sort of like chords um but yeah i i used to do that as well around the circuit in in lincoln as well as sort of between the spoken word stuff um but no, I, I definitely miss that. As you say, there's there's that immediacy of being in a crowd and being surrounded by people. And there's an electricity that you can't replicate with writing a book because you're solo in a room, you're hitting the keys, and then you're solo when you send it off to your editor. And then it's solo when it comes back, solo when you hit publish. And unless you're doing like a book signing or a reading or anything, and you know, especially over the last year and a half with COVID being what it has excuse the dog barking in the background it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it in a minute. um but especially with covid obviously making everything go digital there's just 
that is something that I I am craving a bit is just to kind of go back out and not necessarily to perform, but just to be in those environments where you're you're bouncing off of that sort of energy with people. Yeah, yeah. Have you? I'm ever done... you did a lot of circuit stuff as well. Was that? I'm guessing you've done some musical circuits. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I when I spent most of my twenties uh, playing in a metal band and playing drums. I'm, I was a drummer, and uh, and did some a little bit of touring and stuff like that. And um, I, like I remember it was. Uh, like it's the first time I ever was up on stage and, you know, was playing and looked down in the front row and saw kids like screaming our lyrics back at us. I was just like, that is, it's just, that's just something again that you can't replicate as an author. Like, cause, cause you know, you've talked about how writing is very solitary. Well, so is reading. I mean, like people oh, yeah. don't read in groups really. I mean, they, they, I, I know, uh, um, I know Mark, Mark Leslie Lefebvre, I'll call him out really quick. I know that I've heard him tell a story about him and his uh, uh, partner. Uh, I can't remember if she's his fiance or if they're married yet or not, but we'll read to each other. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. And stuff, which I think is really awesome. But other than that, um, it's a pretty, it's a pretty solitary experience. And the only way that we as authors can get feedback is if, is if someone reads our book and then tells us they liked it or they email us or they leave a review or something on Amazon or whatever. So it's, it's interesting, but yeah, not having that instant feedback is, uh, is definitely something I miss. Yeah. I think that might actually be one of the reasons. So the last like year I have moved a little bit from focusing purely on fiction to sort of moving more into the nonfiction space and working with authors under sort of like an author coaching capacity. And I do think maybe that's one of the big reasons why I've done it because working directly with people you get that instant feedback yeah. and it's you, you can vibe off each other like like you say it's it's so so different writing a book and, and that long laborious process of making it happen yeah so let's talk about that for a minute because it's been interesting man because because we've I, don't, I can't remember when we first started talking I mean, we've been buds for a while i mean I so know i i know what this i know when it was I, well okay. i know roughly when it was it was 20 early 2016 because I went back through my old Instagram profile the other day and I remember the first cover that I ever made myself for a book and I remember posting it up being really proud of it and I I don't mean this in any negative way because it was the best feedback you could have given me and you did it really respectfully but you went I love the cover but it's not the genre that you're going for and and you were absolutely right because it was it was meant to be like this dark thriller and it was uh like a windmill with red writing and a sunset and it totally like was just me learning design yeah, yeah um, of course but yeah I, that sticks to me for like a long time because i was like oh that was my lesson of going yeah it has to be the right cover for the right book for the right reader so yeah it would have been around early 2016 at least okay yeah i thought it was about about around then um you know and and you uh we're obviously writing you guys, mm-hmm. uh, you and Luke were, I, I, were you guys doing other stories at the time yet? The podcast? Yeah. The other story started again, early 2016. Yeah. That's what I thought. So, mm. and I know Jay and I, um, you know, we just, we just thought you guys were doing some really, really cool stuff and, uh, Thank you. but, but it seemed, and you still have, I mean, you've been doing a lot of really cool things, but it's funny, man, over the last year or so, um, I, 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 your name keeps popping up in the, in the author circles I'm on. And it's been really cool. Cause I've been like, man, I've known that dude for a long, like we've been, we've been friends for a long time. So like, I feel like, um, you know, we essentially kind of came up at the same time and, and everything. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been really cool to hear your name and stuff gain around because I'm like, man, yeah, that's a really smart dude that people should be listening to. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. Yeah, of course, dude. And so I, I'm saying all that to ask, like, um, 
what really made you get into wanting to work with authors? Because it's something that a lot of writers think about. And I think mm-hmm. even more than that, I think a lot of writers, I feel like they they feel like they're supposed to do it because they need to have multiple, they always hear you got to have multiple revenue streams and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which is important. But the thing is not every single person, just because they know a lot, doesn't make them a good teacher. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I'm just curious, like you kind of mentioned it a little bit, you know, having the community and being able to talk to other people, but like, what was, what were some of the callous things that made you decide to get into that instead of just writing fiction? I think it's been, it has really just been a huge journey. Um, and I'll try and like whistle stop tour it. Um, just because I think there are, I, I've, I've thought this myself often because to set the context, I went full-time in the beginning of 2019 and, um, when I went full-time, it was very much with a focus of, all right, now I've got all this time, I'm going to write my own fiction, I'm just going to publish, like, my horror, my post-apoc, and just sort of grow that, and that was that was the plan. Um, and I think, so from the end of, so beginning of 2019 to, it would have been November 2020 was really when I started sort of digging my heels into nonfiction. But early 2020, I wrote um, a book collaboration for authors, because I've collaborated with like a number of people over the years. I'm a big advocate of, of people collaborating on projects in many different capacities. And I just, I wanted to put my, my toes in the pool and just test to see if I could write nonfiction and sort of spin forward like a little bit later. And in November last year, which for many writers, it's National Novel Writing Month, which is the challenge of writing 50,000 words in 30 days. And, you know, I was at that point, I was looking for like an income, uh, like another income stream to offset because I do a lot of ghostwriting as well um, to offset some of that. I wanted to because I was finding that with ghostwriting and with writing my own fiction, my entire workload was creativity and it was burning me out quite hard. And so I kind of pulled back from my own fiction a little bit. I was still producing and thought that if, you know, I've had I've had it in the past where I've not necessarily taught, but I've you know managed a team where I used to work going back sort of back in my uni days, I used to lead parkour groups and coach and teach free running. Um, And so there's always been a part of me that's enjoyed showing people a way that I found has worked. Um, I wouldn't ever class myself as a teacher. I'm much more of like a facilitator in in terms of sort of, I like to listen to people and help them understand that, you know, the thing they're doing isn't necessarily wrong, but like there's a path for everyone and giving permission to do the things that work for them. and then, yeah, I ran, I ran a boot camp in November. I decided I was going to lead a group to write the 50,000 words in 30 days. And it went very, very successfully. The, the international average for NaNoWriMo is 20% or just less than 20%. And we had a 78% success rate in the group. And so, you know, we got into December and I was like, okay, let's see if we can keep this going. December, I ran an editing camp and the majority of people stuck around. And then I didn't know what to do. And then it came to January and the people within the group basically asked for me to continue doing it each month. And so I now, over the last year, I've now sort of evolved from what was a boot camp into my own little writing sprints into uh, an activated authors community in which it's kind of like, it's, it's a home for authors. We do Zoom sprints together. We have like a Slack forum, all that kind of stuff. Um, but to, to jump back to kind of the, the, the owners, the, the motive of, of why it all happened, I think really what what I found interesting this last year is as it's been happening is I've been really trying to be critical and and trying to see for myself where this has come from, because I want to make sure that it's a path that you can't just, you know, 
take one foot through the door when you're working with other authors you really have to commit to make something good happen and what was interesting was I went back to one of the podcast episodes that me and Luke recorded back in 2016 that was just us on the story studio and uh, even within that like years and years ago I was saying like writing is lonely work but it doesn't have to be and one of the things I really want to do is help make people's lives better, especially creatives, especially writers, because, you know, that's a niche I'm familiar with and where I think I can help. And it was really weird, like looking at 2016. And then even again, um, I now also do the Next Level Authors podcast with Sasha Black. And when that started, it was a very similar message from myself. And I've just found that that's been a thing that I haven't been paying attention to, but does seem to be a core thing within me to do. And over time, I think the more and more you do it, I'm like the confidence that I have in working with authors now is heaps ahead of where it was this time last year, because I think just as you start doing things and as you see the impact and the effect, it just it just builds that muscle within you. And yeah, now I'm at the point where, you know, I'm I'm helping authors and I'm throwing throwing my name in the hat of, you know, people that can give that information. Um, And my again, just to kind of round, round this all up, I um over the last seven years like I've moved around a lot I've been in a relationship I've had a son things went sour in that relationship I've moved many times and in that period I've worked a lot on my mindset and on being able to be productive while going through you know promotions and barely having enough time and it's now at the point where I feel like you know there are people that in the writing space are teaching people how to market teach people how to write teach people how to do business and what I'm focusing on primarily is mindset and productivity, because that's really what I've been working on for seven years without realizing. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to your point too, people, author, not even just authors, but just people in general, I think are really seeking community and want to mm-hmm. be around people who are like them. And I think more than that, they don't want to do it on Facebook <laughs> or no. on Twitter, all these very, um, shallow places where there's a ton of other distractions. And I think mm-hmm. that I, I'm loving this sort of um, turn to people f- forming these communities that are that are off these social media platforms. You know, I mean, you've, of course, have this going on Slack. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we, you know, Jay has his mastermind community. I'm, yeah. I'm doing something similar with this podcast. I mean, I have a creator nice. dad community that I'm doing through discord. Um, that's just kind of creating a space for, you know, dads to be able to talk about <laughs> stuff from like, whether you're, it's your creative endeavor or, um, you know, your parenting stuff or whatever. And I think that, you know, you running it and the fact that you're for one, just a really genuine dude, but also the fact that you, have all these experiences you're talking about and you know what you can bring to the table as far as, you know, you've, you've walked the walk and you've uh, um, learned to be more productive out Mm. of happenstance, out of necessity, whatever. Um, And, but people, people are drawn to that, you know, and, and uh, if you can have a really good, genuine community, then people are, people are going to stick around. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've really tried to cultivate as well. It's just the community themselves, we, we get new people joining. It's always like, I love having new people join, but it's always terrifying because it changes things. Like just dropping someone in there, it's going to change the dynamic. And, you know, the question is how extreme is that change going to be? Um, but every person that comes in seems to fit in in their own, own special way. And, you know, that's good because it feels like you're attracting the right people. 
Um, and I'm glad, like you mentioned as well, that you're you're looking to doing sort of the Discord groups and stuff because I am I am really at a point right now where I'm just I am sick of social media, like in terms of traditional social media, and also even with with things like Patreon, because I think when we like create as a podcast, especially Patreon is a fantastic way for people to build up that extra income stream and to have people support the show. But what I've found has been a real limitation over the years is that it's great for an individual person to interact with the creator but there's no there isn't a community which i know obviously like now patreon syncs with discord and things yeah but, that's what i'm doing actually yeah, yeah. mentioned that yeah yeah but like within within the actual sort of main just patreon hub like we have people comment but then people don't reply to those comments because there's no like like on next level for example we don't have the discord community because both me and sasha are confused as hell by discord um <laughs> But that was that was kind of one of the things I wanted to do with Activated Authors. I wanted to create my own way that was independent from all these other systems just to, you know, get people into a community where they can thrive and they can do what they need to and actually get sort of quality responses and answers. Yeah, it's funny you you bring all that up because kind of my workaround for that was because I, I, I didn't I didn't want to be I wanted all my community to be in one place. I didn't mm-hmm. want to be you know, doing the thing where you're talking about, like where you're on Patreon doing the, Mm. having to answer stuff in there. So like what I did was, um, and part of the reason I used discord too, was because of what you mentioned about how it lined it, it connects to Patreon. So what it'll do is if someone joins Patreon, it will automatically put them in your discord group. And then if they leave, Mm. it will offload them. So like it took all the, it took all the, the, the management on the back end off me, but I just did, I only am doing one tier on Patreon. So I only have one offer and it includes the discord channel. So like, that's where the conversation is going to be. So I don't have people in like a lower tier who are possibly going to be commenting on, on uh, the Patreon page and all that. So, but Mm. either way, it doesn't, that's just kind of getting the weeds, you know, maybe, 10 people are but, curious about that or whatever but, but I, like, um, I do like that stuff though because i will just i will just dig deeper for my own curiosity because you you definitely have been someone you and jay have been someone that i've been watching for like years because of how you've approached building communities because of you know it was facebook groups and things and obviously like you know i know you guys are off of mo- pretty much all of those channels now um but i remember you used uh like there was another community that you were building for molten universe when you did that stuff and that yeah, was i can't all remember offline. the name of it we used it was, but yeah it was a big something I can't remember. Yeah, I, it, it never sticks. That's well, the problem. So. <laughs> but like, I kind of forgot just, it. But yeah, even just looking at all these different systems and and like being very very specific about how you want to build that community, because I think people forget that in building the community, you have to manage it and be a part of it, and so it has to work for you. Otherwise, you're going to be like wrangling and and moving all over the place just to try and get it to work. For sure. And what's kind of nice though, at the same time, and I was going to bring this up when you were talking about how you're nervous about people coming in is, is obviously you do have to be, I mean, you need to be engaged. You need to be there. But one thing I've seen happen with uh, Jay's group, which I guess we can give a plug here since I kind of like that guy. <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, it's fantastic. The, the author success mastermind mm-hmm. um, is uh, one thing I've noticed with that is it's gotten to the point where I don't think that it, and I know this for a fact, it is, it has not, it has not evolved into the group that Jay thought it was going to, because Jay's whole perspective, he told me this, and we were talking about this podcast. He said, I'm no longer building things that no one wants. So he Mm. is basically before he even starts a project. Now he's getting feedback. And so I say all to say that 
the community has made TASM what it is. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I see is when someone new comes in, like Jay's obviously there to welcome them and stuff, but it's other people in the community who are really driving it and making those people feel welcome and making sure they know like, okay, this is, this is how the writing room works. This is how the town hall works. This is all these different things. Um, answering questions about Slack and all that stuff. So it's uh, once you have, if you get the right people in your group, which to me is the most important thing, like, yeah, yeah you could go start a Facebook group and you could probably, you could get a bunch of people in there. I don't care about that. And that's been one thing that Jay and I have really hammered home from the front for a long time is we're not trying to scale and grow numbers. Like we, Mm. we actually um, like one, one thing that came out of the, this latest career author summit was um, you know, the career author summit we just did was going to be our last one. I am gutted that I couldn't come. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was, I was ready for us to go to Jack Daniels, man. Like we talked about. So, um, but one, you know, we were initially bummed going into it because of the, you know, we were supposed to have 125 people. We ended up with about 40 in the room. But what we ended up finding was that was better than having 125. And mm. so um, we're going to we're going to do it again. And uh, it's going to have a different name, but uh, we're going to do it again. And we're not going to we're going to cap it at like 50 people. And so because our motivation, we care much more about the experience people get than we do about like, cause it would have been really easy. And a lot of people would have done this. Like when we sold out the career author summit before, before there was COVID and all that stuff, like when it wasn't a problem to sell it out at 130, it'd have been really easy to say, well, let's invite 150. And then the mm-hmm. next year, let's do 175, let's do 200. But it would have, that would have not been the same experience for the people coming. And, and our motivation is like not to make more money all the time, because like, yeah, making more money is great, but mm. my lifestyle is such where like I don't have to have a ton of money. Like yeah. I would rather do these really cool things and and give people awesome experiences um, a- along the way. So yeah, but you also find that like because without it, like cause, as you say, the motive isn't money. But the truth is that if you do that and you create quality experiences that you know people really enjoy and like for the long term you do have people that will be involved in more of your stuff for the long term. So over, you know, well, they sort of say like the lifetime value of a customer that that goes up exponentially because you're treating people right. And you're, you know, giving them real rich experiences that they can remember forever and appreciate. Yeah, exactly. And especially when you're offering services and stuff, like, Mm. you know, it'd be one thing to go out there and just like push those services. Like, let me edit your book. Let me coach you, blah, blah, blah. But like, I feel once you have those people in your community, you know, and they, and they, they have your trust and everything, they're going to be much more like likely to want to work with you and be, and be repeat people as well. hundred percent. And that's one thing we found with Ryan, our events is it's a lot of the same people coming to yeah. our world building weekends and stuff, you know, they, and, and they will tell friends about it and they evangelize it and everything. And it's, I don't know, it's, it really comes down to that, um, that whole the thousand true fans yes like you you don't need a lot of true fans to make a a full-time career doing stuff like this not really no no it's definitely um it's definitely something that i've I've stuck in mind and i might have to not on this podcast but pick your brain at some point about events because that's definitely an arena i'm looking at stepping into at some point soon well yeah anytime you can hit at me and jay and we'll talk to you but uh beautiful you you mentioned uh you also mentioned the the podcast you're doing with sasha with sasha black and uh i love sasha sasha she is is, wonderful she is amazing Mm -hmm. um and uh 
she also at our career author summit there she was supposed to speak and uh she had like almost a full table of fans <laughs> at the oh, event, like, man. wearing rebel author podcast shirts and stuff yeah. so and uh, your name came up too i remember um you know that was one of the places <laughs> that was one of the places where i started hearing your name a lot and i was like oh man that's that's awesome. I tell people, I'm like, yeah, Daniel's my boy. Like we've been <laughs> we've, him, him and I have been friends and emailing back and forth and doing zooms and stuff for a while, but I'll but be bugging you for years. But uh, <laughs> how'd you get hooked up with Sasha? Oh man. Like the weirdest thing. So we both went to the 20 books Edinburgh conference in 2018, I believe it was. And we miss each other. Uh, and that was one of these smaller events where some of those 20 books events, they can be huge. I mean, the Vegas one, they've got thousands of people there, yeah. but the, the, the Edinburgh one, it was basically, I think a hundred people for like a writer's retreat style thing. And then the actual weekend conference about 200 people. And like, I saw her around, I didn't really know much about her at that point. She didn't really know much about me. And then we, we left Edinburgh and what was bizarre was that she was about to start the rebel author podcast and a mutual friend of ours, and this is literally what happened a mutual friend of ours basically went threw us into a facebook message together went dan meet sasha sasha meet dan sasha needs a little bit of help setting up her podcast and since you run well at the time i was running the great writer share podcast um i figured you would be able to help each other and then she just disappeared from the chat and just left me and sasha so <laughs> like serendipitous or what like and we just we just started chatting and found that we were we were very similarly minded we made each other laugh like it, it was just kind of like this pairing that just clicked and you know, this was around the end of 2018. She started the podcast in 2019. Um, I might have my time scale slightly wrong. doesn't matter. The point is um, we started chatting. Um, and around that time, like I was looking for someone to do writing sprints with, and she was looking for someone to do writing sprints with. So we started like doing that together. And then we started jumping on Zoom and working together. And then one of us, I can't remember who, um, I think it was me, <laughs> threw out the idea of doing a podcast together because, you know, we wanted to you know connect with more people we were sort of trying to chronicle our journeys and I think at that point and I, I don't want to speak on behalf of Sasha but this is the impression I got at that point like I definitely wanted more fire up my ass and Sasha has enough to keep her burning for freaking years <laughs> and then at the same time there were things I was doing in fiction that she wanted to learn from so it just seemed like this like great mesh of personality to come together and we basically flirted the idea had a phone call in which we said let's discuss it we won't agree anything and by the end of that half an hour phone call we basically decided the podcast the name how long it was going to be when we were going to start airing and like it just came together um and it is i mean we make no secret in the fact it's very very heavily modeled on jay and uh, rachel's the right as well yeah. which when we started it that was still running and we didn't know that that was coming to an end so it was kind of a uk homage to that format and you know i've i've, I've I speak to you I speak to Jay and like I asked basically Jay's permission before I started doing that I was like just seeing that like is this going to be okay because I don't want it to feel like we're ripping you guys off we just generally want to give our spin um and yeah it just evolved from there and we're now on 84 episodes I think the next level authors podcast like we've become very very close friends um it just so happened that around that time as well she was moving to within like an hour of where I lived so we've met up a couple of times how close you guys were yeah. yeah, we're about 45, 50 minutes away from each other. Oh, nice. So, yeah, so we're, we're pretty damn close, which is awesome. So every now and then, like, we'll meet up. Our kids have met up and sort of have play dates and things. And, yeah, she's just she just is a wonderful human, and she's doing some amazing stuff. So having the opportunity to do the podcast alongside her, share my journey, share hers, it's just it's just been a lot of fun from, from start to finish. And one thing I, I love that you said there, too, and, and I talk to people about this all the time, because obviously with Jay and I, 
especially in the in the author community are kind of known together you yes. know and and um and and we get asked all the time about collaborating and meeting people and you know one common mistake i see is people they just will go into a facebook group and they'll be like who wants to write a book with me just force or, it yeah or or they just but having a pre-existing relationship like you and sasha didn't jump right into let's start a podcast like no, you guys were doing writing sprints you guys were talking there was a lot of communication going it was the same thing with me and jay i mean jay and i met and um we started talking in i guess it would have been the end of 2014 the beginning of 2015 um didn't do a podcast together until sometime in 2016 and didn't write a book together until 2017 um, and we met in person for the first time in New Orleans when we did the first authors on a train with Lindsay Baroker and Joanna, which is nuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that was the first time we met. Here's So here's another funny time what we're talking about. My first um, awareness of who Sasha was, was actually because after we did that book, we did a contest where somebody could win a copy of that book and Sasha won it. And so, no way. Uh, yeah. So she never a, told me that. So I'll I have bring a that pit- one up on Friday. So somewhere I have a picture that um, I think Lindsay or Joanna or somebody put up on Twitter of Sasha holding up American Demon Hunter Sacrifice, which is the nice. book that me, Lindsay, Joanna, and Jay wrote in New Orleans. So that what was the first time I, I'd, I'd found who uh, who Sasha was, mm. and uh, and then did her podcast later. I did. I've done the um, Rebel Author. We did a. She actually um, uh, did pr- maybe my favorite podcast I've ever done with anybody. Nice. Um, no offense, because I know you've interviewed. I mean, we've not even finished recording this one. I already know it's subpar. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 she had me come on um, to talk about money, and, and, and episode, which yes. was uh, which is something that like I'm really along with social media. Social media is definitely the thing that I'm most passionate talking about. <laughs> um, and and obviously, as you brought up, I have a pretty I've taken a pretty public stance on how much I. Uh, hate it and don't think you need it as an author, but I won't get into that here. Um, but I also love talking about money and just not having debt and, mm-hmm. and all those sorts of things and how, um, my lifestyle and, and stuff was really played into me being able to do this full time and stuff since 2017. So, um, yeah, so I, I love Sasha and I think, I mean, you guys are great together. Um, okay. I, I think your spin on what they were doing at the writers. Well, I mean, especially at this point, uh, I mean, you guys, it's, it's a totally, it's a totally different thing, you know? And yeah. Uh, and as you know, as a writer, you got to, you know, take your inspiration from somewhere. And, uh, and sometimes as a creator, when someone, uh, you know, tries to imitate something you did, that's sometimes the best flattery you can get. So. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And like I say, we, we both have massive respect for the writer as well. When it stopped, we like, we phoned each other up because we were just genuinely crushed. Like we just came off listening. It's just like, what is happening? This is, this is bizarre. Yeah. It was a bummer. Um, yeah. yeah, but what I would also say for, like, Sasha as well, her journey has really, and again, I don't want to speak on her behalf, but her journey, journey from where I've been sitting and seeing it, it really has sort of skyrocketed the last couple of years. I think similarly to what you're saying about my name starting to appear in more circles, like, the thing that we've both been preaching to people on our podcast in different forms over the years is that to make it as an indie, really, it's down to perseverance and just staying around in the game, because I'm sure you will have a similar experience in which, you know, so I've been going for like six years. It sounds like I think you were around like seven, eight years, maybe. I, but, I yeah, I started, um, I published my first book at the beginning of 2015. Yeah. yeah. But there are so many names of people that you remember seeing in circles that have just disappeared. They yep. just stopped and then they're gone. 
And it's not that we're doing anything sort of massively different. Obviously, we have our own takes and our own journeys and things, but it's it's sticking around and just being there. And over time, that starts to, to magnify and grow. And the minute you stop, it just kind of like floats back down to the bottom again. So perseverance is just huge, I think, not even just in writing, but from what I've seen in friends in other industries as well, just keeping going and just continuing doing good work. Yeah, for sure. And, and, uh, you know, consistency, especially with a podcast, I mean, for you guys to make it to 84, I mean, that's it's gone so quick. Yeah. And it, it, but, but it's, you know, most podcasts don't make it past seven episodes, no. you know, and, and I was, and I was having, uh, this conversation with my wife recently because she just started her own podcast and, uh, it was a similar thing where it's with her best friend and it's not anything mm. they rushed into. It just happened organically. Um, but, uh, but I was telling her, I was like, you know, I was like, when, cause she came to me and asked for some advice and I was like, the best advice I can give you is be consistent. I was like, mm-hmm. you guys pick a day when your podcast is going to come out 100%. and, 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 and make sure you hit that target every single week. Like I remember when we ended the career author, I remember getting emails. Like one was from our, our buddy, Chris Wills, who's over from your side of the pond. And he was so bummed. Cause he was like, man, like every Thursday, I would get up and, uh, and my wife would make me a cup of tea while I was in bed. And I would sit there and listen to career author. And oh. now that our podcast was gone, we like ruined his routine basically. You yeah. Know? What do you do about Thursday? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, one. I guess you got to go find something else to listen to now. Yeah. Our, our well, that was also, Monday when we do writers Inc. <laughs> yeah. Now that was also one of the things that I was very, I was very specific about this. Um, when we started the other stories podcast was, you know, then we, we started like with the idea of what we wanted to do. It turned into a podcast and or Luke basically said, let's turn this into a podcast. And I said, my, my hesitation is if we do this as a podcast, we have to do this every week. Like yeah. just building a fan base only comes from consistency. The minute you, you drop one, you've lost people's trust in like big numbers. And that was April, 2016. And there's only ever been one, one time where we very nearly didn't make it, but we did. And, you know, since, then in the last five years, we've, we've never missed a Monday. And that's just a fixture of what we do each week. And that will just continue for as long as the other stories continues for. Yeah. And I mean, you guys, there's a lot of work that goes into those podcasts too. Oh yeah. I will say from my part, like I, I don't get so much involved in the production anymore, but Luke Condor and um, Carl Hughes really do drive that machine and they do some fantastic stuff behind the scenes. So props to them for, for everything they're doing at the minute. Yeah. But you guys have just like, I mean, crushed it with that podcast. I mean, it's such a, it's such a cool idea. And, and I'll, I'll have the link in the show notes too, by the way, for anyone who uh, is curious about the other stories, because it's, it's a really, really cool podcast. Um, mm. I don't know if you want to really quick, like, and then I have something else I want to ask yeah. you. If you want to really quick kind of talk about what it is. Pitch it. Okay. Uh, so the other stories is 20 minute horror, sci-fi, thriller fiction, sort of very, very dark that comes out every Monday. Um, every four weeks we switch genre. We have guest writers from all over the world can sub- submit their stories and we produce the best ones. Um, and it, the best way to describe it, it's not audio drama. It's kind of like um, listening to an audio book, but we have sound effects and everything over the top. So we have a team of narrators across a couple of different countries um, that all put in their work. We've got like the editors, we've got all the magic production goes in the background. And it's just, it's just very, very dark, fun fiction. And uh, one of the things that was done recently um, is every Halloween we tend to have like for five episodes of a Halloween story that's longer form that we started doing a few years ago. Um, and we did our most recent one, The Witching Hour, uh, this October, which went very, very well. So yeah, if you like dark stuff, if you want 20 minutes of fun on your way to wherever you're going, then check out the other stories. Yeah, the production is incredible. And 
Daniel's being a little humble here, but uh, you guys, it's over like 8 million downloads or something, right? I think we're on 9 million downloads. And this year we also won the um, Fiction Podcast of the Year Award from This Is Horror. So that's our first big accolade which we're very happy with yeah congrats dude that's uh, that's and big shout out to uh to to luke as well who i I need to hit him up i haven't talked to him in a while so i need to shoot him an email oh yeah he's got he's got some fun things going on uh uh, is he a dad to uh to a dog Uh, maybe i'll make that count come on here at some point he's definitely a dog dad (laughs) so so speaking of that um i I did want to talk to you a little bit about you know being a parent and stuff because you're Mm -hmm. um you're actually you're the first single dad that yes. I have interviewed, which is uh, which is a different spin, and and mm-hmm. I feel like um, brings with it a certain uh, just a different a different viewpoint. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know, like how how have you kind of worked in being a dad and specifically a single dad? In with I mean, you have a lot going on, dude. I mean, you're yeah. um, you have you have you're running multiple podcasts. You are running a community, a, you know, you're helping authors with coaching, all, all that sort of stuff. You're writing your own fiction and also, you know, you're still doing ghostwriting too, right? Yeah. yeah. So you have a lot going on. So um, yeah. h- how do you balance that all with also, you know, being a dad? Yeah. So, I mean, there's definitely, if I look back at sort of from the moment Bailey was born, which was um, November, 2014, there's definitely two phases of it I guess um so me and his mum were together when he was first born and it was sort of around 2018 where where things got sort of split off so it was four years in which I was basically a dad at home with the mum looking after the kiddo I was also working like a 45 50 hour a week job um and that was like to be fair I think that was really one of the things I can be most thankful for is the fact that I didn't have any time to write meant that I found time to write if that makes sense like just having those boundaries and knowing that well to start with one of the reasons that I really feel like I got into writing was because you know he was born and you most most dads tend to experience the same which is like right I need to work out what I'm going to do to make my son like proud of me and to like show him the way um and I was doing like lots of different things I was I ran my own editing business for a couple of years and then I started working in marketing and communications um but I started putting my hand to writing and over the years, I found that I just had to put my writing into the morning. If I didn't, like it didn't happen. Like I couldn't write in the evenings because that sort of sacrificed time with, with um, my ex-partner. I couldn't really write at other points in the day. Like sometimes I can get writing into lunchtime, but it really forced me to look at the time pockets I had available. If I wanted to achieve this, this goal of writing as well as, you know, be the best dad that I could, I had no other choice but to get up at half five, right from half five to sort of half six, quarter to seven, when Bailey would wake up and then I'd do the dad thing. And so those few years were definitely very, like, I don't know that I could burn that hard again, like now, because it was, there was so much to it. And like, I, I, I can't like, it wasn't easy. Um, but my why was big enough that like, it carried me through. And then it, it weirdly timed out around not long after um, me and his mum split, I then went full time, moved out and you kind of go into a different phase in which obviously as a single dad, like I don't have primary custody. So I, I see him mostly on weekends and during holidays and things. So work wise, being full time, the hours are kind of easy. And I think the reason I'm able to produce so much now is because I keep myself so busy because 
when it then comes to the weekends and seeing my, my my son, I really don't want any of that time to be laced with work. Like when your time with your son is cut more than in half, it really does force you to go, all right, how do I create quality experience? How do I show him that I'm there for him? And how can I like make the best of a situation? Because I'm a, I'm a, a son of parents that are still together. Like it was, it's, it's not an environment that I've ever been around or ever imagined myself being in. So I think, especially the first year or so, I think I kind of sunk myself into work to cope with like missing him and the changes that were happening, um, which, you know, worked in my favor because it means I, I built my business bigger. Um, but it like for me, one of the big things that I've had to learn over the last year specifically is just those boundaries because, you know, we had the pandemic over the last year and a half and at the beginning of this year, I had to, uh, I, I had him for a few weeks to homeschool because my, my ex had her, she was a key worker and had to do some stuff. And there's nothing worse than like knowing you've got time with your son that you don't normally have in which you still have to manage your work. And those three weeks were incredibly hard just on like mindset in terms of like, you feel like you're failing at both work and being a dad. And so from that experience, I've kind of really reviewed how I work this year during the, the summer holidays for my son was the first time I've ever been able to really like take a solid week off and just spend that with him uninterrupted by work. And it's something that I'm growing and something that I'm pushing forward to because you don't get these years back. No. And as much as I love my business and as much as like, you know, creativity and writing and everything brings me joy. If I can't sort of, you know, separate church from state and be there fully, then I know that I'm going to look back and regret that. So I think a lot of my productivity comes from number one necessity. Um, but also, I mean, there's obviously an element of choice in there. I didn't have to do all of this when I was, you know, in the early, early days of my career. Um, but just knowing that you need those clear defined boundaries. Otherwise, again, like it goes back to the beginning of this year where you feel, feel like you're failing on both fronts. So I try and, I try and get as much done as I can during the week. Um, one thing that I've discovered about myself recently is I've definitely normalized a ridiculous amount of work. So just for um, perspective for people, since the start of 2020, I've realized I've written 36 books for myself and on behalf of like clients. Um, and so I am very actively right now peeling that back and reminding myself that just because I'm doing less doesn't mean I'm failing because I'm still doing a lot by the expectations of others, if that makes sense. Yes. So no, it yeah, does. it's, it's a journey is, is all I can say. It, it's so funny. I, I was uh, having a conversation with my friend the other day about how, uh, cause she, I just helped her publish her first book nice. and she was like, you have to, you know, I tend to forget that it's a big deal that I've published even one book. And I think I'm at like 35 at this point. She's like, nice. you published 35 books. And I'm like, now you're making me look like a chump. Cause you've done that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, um, but in all seriousness, like guy, there was so much you said there that I want to comment on, like, um, just for one, the boundaries. I mean, I think that, um, in, in a couple of different aspects, uh, I tell authors all the time that, uh, and I'm sure you've heard me and Jay say this, like there is this like false and, and you kind of prove against this in a way, but like yeah. for, for me, at least there's this like false dichotomy that just because you're full time, you're going to get a lot more done because yeah. I think those time constraints you have, I mean, you said it yourself, like you would get up and write early in the morning because you had to, 
And, yeah. and, you, and, and the big thing you said was your why was strong enough. Yes. Like, and, and I was the same way, you know, I was at a job that I was, um, get that there was, I, I topped out at, and I, I felt like I was, um, getting to a point where it's just like, okay, I'm not going to go any higher here. And so like, I'm going to just do this as much as I can mm-hmm. and right in the morning, right. You know, I would sit in my car on my lunch break and stuff like that. And, um, and when I went full time, it di- I didn't necessarily start writing more. I mean, but I had more time mm. to do other things that I want to do, you know, yeah. go on walks, have more time for myself, have more time for my daughter. Um, and, uh, and, uh, you know, another thing I'll say is you, uh, you know, your son is just a couple months younger than my daughter. My daughter was yes. born in July of 2014. So, um, which funny, you also said like, um, it was after she was after she was born is when I started like really getting into the writing thing. And I, and I do think looking back, there probably was a little bit of what you said of like, man, I, I want to give her something to be proud of, you know, which I can look back on. It's so funny when we're in the, at the playground, whenever, when she's at the playground, she will tell everybody that's my daddy over there. And he's an author. Nice. She's just so proud of it. And, um, which is really cool because it should, I feel like that part of what I'm doing is showing her that, you know, she can do whatever she wants, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is, which is so huge to me. Um, also when they're at this age, it, it does get kind of nice because at those times when you do need to work, it's, they can look after themselves. They can look after themselves. Which yeah. is cause, Cause I went through a little bit of what you were doing this summer because over the summer, you know, we didn't send her to daycare Mm-hmm. And my wife were there several, you know, she was home. My Haley was home. Cause my wife, uh, w- you know, w- works, uh, she only works four days a week, but like three of them are during the week. Um, and those are, you know, I have to watch after those days. So like I had to really balance, um, th- th- working with the dad life because it's do, like being, doing what we do. It's really hard just to want to, it's really easy just to want to work all the time. And oh just, yeah. And, and just go and just be creating and writing. And, um, and, and one thing I've recently done myself is I've set up the, and I'm saying it just within the last few weeks, I've set up a boundary of like, I'm not going to work on Sundays. Nice. Sunday is a day that I have with my daughter <clears throat> and my, my wife works. So like, it's just me and Haley that day. She's not at school or anything. And, uh, I used to get up and I'd get up really early and work and stuff, but then I would find myself like leaving less attentive in the day. There were still things I was thinking about. So I've tried over the last few weeks. I'm not, I'm not, I'm I'm going to shut my computer off on Saturday. I'm not going to turn on Sunday. And um, it's been awesome. Like it it, Mm. it has been, uh, I feel like those days have been even more special with her. And again, it goes back to what you're saying about just having those boundaries. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just, I, I definitely have been shutting off much more on weekends recently. Um, I say recently, the last sort of like six months or so, just because I, if I do start work in the morning, like you say, there's these open loops and they sort of plague you and you, you never feel like you're fully in the moment with them. Um, and for me, that, that is really important. I also love, love what you said about uh, the the playground thing and about how Haley sort of points out, it's like, oh, my dad's the author. Because my son, I, I literally wrote a book with him as a main character called The Wanster which is sort of teaching your kids manners because he was going around that age where he wasn't. And I was like, so I was like, you know, as you do, I'll write a book. And uh, one of my <laughs> best friends, Lewis Hay, incredibly talented artist, illustrated it. And for National Book Day, they always go in costume to school as like their favorite character. 
And I said, you could go as yourself because you're in a book. And you went, nah, I'm going to go as a, what's the cat from PJ Masks called? Oh, I can't remember, but I know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I want to go as a cat. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he so I literally not set you up himself. for like the best character. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, man, I mean, you have to, in your case, um, I just think it's interesting, again, because I haven't talked to any single dads on here. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to make sure that you put in all your work so that you can make the most time with him when you have it you know, you yeah. can make the most out of that time. And, you know, you don't, again, you don't want to be thinking about all the sort of stuff you have to do. I mean, that's uh, it, whether you're a writer, whatever, like any type running your own business, it's, you're thinking about stuff all the time and it's hard to turn that off. Yeah. Even, even, cause I've had it a few times um, over the last few years where that those moments have, you have those lower days and you have those moments of, oh, but I could, I could just easy go into a salary job like a perfect example i'm moving house on friday but the actual buying the post buying um, the house in the first place like i was sort of given so many red cards from the fact i'm self-employed from the fact i'm single all this kind of stuff that i'm like if i was in a salary job half of this wouldn't be a problem um but i know that if i went back to a salary job in the morning and in the evenings i'd still be doing this kind of stuff yeah so i'm just doomed to suffer <laughs> basically um and i will say as well that there's definitely you know being a single dad and especially my particular personality and, and how I am uh, I'm also very very aware that because of the fact that I'm not with my son a lot of the time there is that element of me wanting to justify not just for him but for myself that I am still giving as much as I can as a dad as possible um, which is harder to do when you know you're further away and you see them less but that's really one of the reasons why I try so hard number one to to do quality things, but number two, to keep those boundaries, because again, I don't want to look back or for him to look back and think I didn't have the full dad that I should have had. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it is different. Like I say, you, in a way you are blessed because you do have much more time to work, but I mean, for me particularly, that's like, it's not the fairest of trade-offs and I would swap that back if I could, but you know, that's just how the situation presents itself. Well, I can imagine too. It's really weird coming from, the situation you come from where your parents are together. Like I'm the same way. My, my parents have been together for like 45 years or something. And it's like, it, it to me, it would just be weird if, if yeah. I was suddenly in a position where I knew Haley, you know, like I'm here in a couple hours after we got this phone call, I'm going to go pick her up from school. Like it would just be mm-hmm. weird if, if that yeah. wasn't the case. So, you know, I definitely, uh, yeah, man, that's tough. Yeah. No, I went from, um, cause also like around the time I started going full time, I was still living um, in, in the old house as well. So I was able to take him to school. I was able to do that every day yeah. while sort of my ex went off and, and, and did work and things. And then again, switching from that into like picking him up on a Friday and then dropping off on a Sunday. It's it's a whole different dynamic. And, you know, my the closest thing I, I have in any way, and it wasn't like, it wasn't until very, very recently that I was like, oh, my, my dad's a child of divorce. And so I kind of like hit him up a bit and just sort of talked about different things because we have blueprints on how we go through life. And like you say, like, because of the fact your parents are together, because of the fact my parents are together, there is no rule book at this point. For, yeah. You know, what is and isn't right. What is the right situation? And, you know, over the years, um, because of me moving and other things as well, um, m- myself and baby's mother, we have spoken and tried different things just to try and find out what works. And, you know, we're finally at the point where I feel like we're settled into a rhythm um, and it seems to be working very, very well. Uh, but it's yeah it's you know some of some of the toughest times it really is those first few months just going from 
what was into what then is and just overcoming that especially as i say when that's that's not really been your blueprint um but ultimately like you can only you can only work with what you've got and i i do think that without getting too deep into the weeds like in the long in the grand scheme of things like it's definitely served bailey in a much better way that it'll have sort of two happy parents so absolutely yeah yeah i definitely see that and you know, it's like I, like I said about with me with Haley, I mean, you're also showing, you're setting such a cool example of, you know, you really can, there's so many different paths you can go down in life and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, so you're, you're doing an awesome job with that dude. So thank you. <laughs> so before we get out of here, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up. So, so I'm guessing that uh, you're the one playing all the Pokemon on the switch and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually like, I don't know if you can see it. I've got, my Pokemon jumper nice. specifically, nice little Charmander <laughs> on the back. But yes, yeah, I looked at. I, you know, we're friends on Switch, and I went and looked at your play activity the other day, and it was just like po- Pokemon Sword, Pokemon <laughs> Shield, Let's Go Eevee, you know, Pokemon Home, like the first, yeah. like, and then like Breath of the Wild or something was in there somewhere. But yeah. I was like, man, dude, really loves Pokemon. Yeah, I mean, like some of that Bailey can take credit for because he uh, he's got a couple of users on there and enjoys sort of like Pokemon Snap and Pokemon Shield and things. But no, I I've I'm just a huge Pokemon fan. Like I I have been since it first came over to the UK. I've been playing Red. I've played every game since. Every game I've collected every Pokemon on. Um, in Pokemon X and Y specifically, uh, I don't know if this is something to be proud of, but I basically maxed out the clock at like 999 hours. Um, <laughs> hey, you've written 38 books in the last year and a half, two years. So you get, <laughs> yeah, you get a pass yeah. on time. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, I don't know. It's just, there's something. So I think because it's been such a staple of my childhood and a lot of what I've done and I'm just you know, I've, I've spent a lot of hours playing the games and being in, again, communities with other people that play. And yeah. at one point I got into like a little bit of competitive battling too. Um, yeah. I just, I just, I just really enjoy the whole franchise. I think it's, it does some amazing things. See, when I was a kid, I got the game gear instead of the game boy. <laughs> and so I didn't get into Pokemon like at all. And it actually wasn't until the last couple of years when like sword and shield came out where I was mm-hmm. like, I'm I did try Sun and Moon, but on with with Sword and Shield, I was like, I'm gonna give it looks fun. I like RPGs. Yeah. So I've actually kind of gotten into it the last couple of years. So uh yeah. No, they've it, they they've leveled up a lot. The the really annoying thing with Pokemon, like, and just say I do love it. Um, <laughs> but the really annoying thing about Pokemon is like the new game mechanics they bring out of every generation are really amazing because they've not been in Pokemon games before. But whenever they come out, they're also always mechanics that have come out in other games like six years prior. Yeah. So in Pokemon X and Y, one of their big things was you can now go in diagonal and on certain yeah. areas, you can go like full 360. And it's like, yeah, but other games have been doing this since like yeah, Sword the, and late Shield, 90s. They were like, Sword and Shield was like, you can rotate the camera now. Yeah. <laughs> but only in the wild area. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with the new game with the Arceus Legends, yes. which is supposed to be open world. So yeah, I'm uh, geared up for that one. That'll be interesting because they've, they've really sort of, redesigned all of the mechanics it doesn't look like there's gyms it doesn't look like it's sort of pokedex base well like pokedex but in a totally different way so yeah and they've also this was like really interesting for me it looks like they've scrapped competitive battles in that yeah well. they haven't really said much about that yet It'll be no so that'll be interesting so. but yeah i keep seeing you pop up with sort of like some of the games that you play in that and i'm like hi oh, yeah, i online? play a lot of switch <laughs> <laughs> yeah switch really is my console at the minute like i can't fault it it's fantastic yeah, I mean, I have that, the PS5 and the new Xbox, and I'm like, mm. I I play the Switch 
all the time. I mean, that's my main, it's, it's funny. Like sometimes I'll pick it up during the day and I actually will think like, man, Daniel's going to see me on here and think I'm not working where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> there was one point where it was like, I don't know, like 10 or 11 in the morning for me and you came on. I was like, that's got to be so early for Zach. What's he doing <laughs> for playing games? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But well, listen, man, is there anything, uh, anything you want to tell people about before we get out of here? Anything specific? I mean, everything that if people want to find me and everything I'm doing, I'm over at dannywilcox.com um, and it's W-I-L-L-C-O-C-K-S. Um, you can check out my community at activatedauthors.com. Um, and I did want to say as well, just like best of luck with this podcast because I love the concept. I love like what you're doing and I'm really excited to, to listen to what other people have to say. Awesome. Dude. Yeah. Thank you very much. It's been, it's been super fun so far and uh, I'm really excited about some uh, guests I have that are already scheduled people I'm planning on hitting up. Like once I get a little bit more down, you know, down the path and yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's fun. I'm already learning a lot from different creatives and different, you know, uh, things about productivity and just running, you know, and stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and how people do things and parent, even parenting stuff. Yeah. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, I appreciate the kind words and I appreciate you coming on here and spend some time with me. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome, dude. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Catch you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Creator Dad Podcast. I'd like to invite you to join the official Creator Dad Discord community where fellow Creator Dads like you and me connect to discuss our creative endeavors, parenting, relationships, music, movies and TV, sports, money, all the things that dudes love to talk about. Get all the details at patreon.com slash creator dad.